hello, and uh, welcome to the 92nd episode of the iRace We Gable podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I am joined, as always, by Josh Slammer. Crum, I think we uh, just had the longest pre-hit-the-record-button yeah. session that we've had in these 92 episodes. Um, sure. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I think... I don't know. I don't know how people are going to feel about the bonus content, but we'll uh, we'll find out. Anyway, yeah, it was a very sexy weekend, and it was, uh, it was uh, you know it was it was decent, but yeah, definitely very very sexy. Indeed, Ryan Blaney. I mean, we kind of forgot about him for a while there. We hadn't. It wasn't top of our radar or anything. Um, but he remained sexy. He had quite, what did you think? Did you see like his essentially playoff beard? Like, how do you prefer your sexy Blaney? Are you like clean shaven or bearded? Mustache. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. So oh, come maybe... on. He looks so good with that mustache. <laughs> but will Roger Penske let that happen? I don't know. We'll see. He has won a championship, so I feel like he's got enough clout to kind of decide what his facial hair situation is yeah um <laughs> it was a good run from uh for him uh does he remind you of anybody recently uh shit i feel like you're referencing something i should know and i'm totally missing it his teammate potentially oh oh you're talking about in terms of dry i thought you meant in terms of facial hair <laughs> <laughs> no, in in terms of how I do mean, that would make sense it. because the way that the conversation was tracking was we were still on facial hair, but I decided to just go right back to yeah. NASCAR. Yeah. All right. So here's the two comparisons to Ryan Blaney. One, Tim Richmond. If you don't know, look it up. And the second is Joey Logano because this is exactly how Joey Logano won his championship last year. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't think he won at Martinsville, but like the gist of how his season went looked identical to Blaney. So uh, do we think Penske has the formula for this championship or like what's, what's going on? I don't know. They, they might, they might have something that they're thinking about potentially, you know, go out throughout the year, run good races, learn the tracks that you're going to be back at, figure out what is and isn't going to work. And, uh, you know, find that race or two where you can really go out and get after it and get that win to make sure you're in it in the first place. And I don't know. I think it's possible that they may have found something, some type of formula algorithm. (laughs) Maybe they got some AI working for them. I don't know. The AI is everywhere these days. You never know where where it might be influencing the world. Could be the NASCAR. Oh, it's, every, it's, every, it's everywhere at this point. <laughs> oh, I know. It's uh, exposing itself now. So <laughs> how long has it been around? <laughs> Good question. Uh, Hold on. I got to go downstairs real quick and get I, some tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um I did hear so, uh, one theory, uh, less conspiratorial, less tinfoily, um, but Dale Jr. brought it up on one of his podcasts that his theory was the fact that uh, RFK and the Fords 
in that group found some speed kind of late in the regular season when we saw Busher kind of make his run and Keselowski running really well with him. He thinks that that benefited Ford overall and that Penske benefited from that kind of with a little bit of lag time into the playoffs. Because I, I do feel like they did improve their performance, although to be fair, Logano really didn't. It was mostly like Ryan Blaney alone. Um, so I don't know, like, how much do you buy into that theory? Uh, I mean, if you still have one racer out there, pour everything into them, right? Yeah. Could Maybe be. last last year. I would have to go back and look at last year's playoffs, but my memory says that Logano was continuing on while Blaney was eliminated. Correct. And, uh, yeah. Kind of maybe just the shoes on the other foot. Exactly. And I think, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Logano was the only Ford in the playoffs last year. Uh, I want to say it was... No. Harvick was in. Sorry, not in the playoffs. In the Final Four. Oh. Yeah, my bad. I, I, I was going to say, out of 16 cars, no Fords. No, no way. <laughs> no, in the in the top four, it was him. Uh, what was it? Truex? No, no Truex. Not no, Truex. Was it was him, Larson. Man, I'm having trouble remembering. Oh, Chastain. Chastain got in because of the Martinsville. Yep. Um, I was Denny in last year. I want to say it was someone weird like Alex Bowman. Not in the four, I don't think. I think he might have made the eight, but in the four, I'm looking again. Oh, Chase Elliott, and and not uh, not, not Kyle Larson. Larson got eliminated, I think, because of Dega in that round. Uh, Chris Bell was is repeating because he won at Martinsville last year to sneak his way in. So Martinsville really had two surprise guys make it their way through, which was Christopher Bell and Chastain. This year, the surprise guys were Christopher Bell and Blaney, I guess, to some degree. Yeah. Can you really call either of them a surprise, though? Christopher, Christopher Bell's been there two years in a row. But all season, it was like he was kind of the second or third, sometimes fourth fiddle on that team. I mean, we it, Bell was good at Bristol Dirt, which obviously a different kind of style of racing. So I don't know. I, I didn't feel like Bell was that strong, and he just kind of came on strong in the playoffs, which I think shows that he is is a good playoff contender. Like two years in a row making it to the Final Four when I don't expect you to is kind of impressive. someone that I was curious, like, after... I think we talked about uh, on our podcast last week, like, you know, we're going to learn a lot from practice and qualifying and other stuff. And I kind of waffled between all four drivers throughout that whole weekend. And honestly, I kind of felt like, oh, the 20 actually is fast. And he might actually have what it takes to get it done this weekend. And then, like, 100 laps into the race or something, their brakes explode and they're out. So... 
really disappointing end to the season, but I, I still I have this weird, like, Christopher Bell overachieved, but yet had a disappointing season at the same time to me. I don't know if that strikes true to you, but that's how I feel about him. Yeah. I mean, back-to-back uh, championship races, right? So, yeah. I don't remember how last year went off the top of my head, unfortunately, but this year to have just a fluke, a failure, a mechanical failure, not a driver failure, obviously, and that just be the way it ended. I feel, I don't know, something about Christopher Bell to me feels like he's being overlooked a lot. Yeah. Like he's not. He's not in a position to lead the team he's on, but he's also on one of the best teams. And he's just going out there and consistently getting it done. And I get, I, part of me feels like I don't, maybe he should get a little bit more of a shot. I think you're right. Because I think the thing that's coming to mind right now is he feels like William Byron before this year. Where William Byron was really good, really solid, but never like great. And then this year he had six wins and had a really good shot at winning a championship. Like he was in the championship four and he kind of had his breakout season. I think it's unique for Bell because he's kind of waiting to have a breakout season in terms of wins, but he's still consistent enough to make it to that championship four, which is kind of its own feat and kind of impressive in its of itself. So Interesting the way you see like these young drivers develop and who achieves what at different times. Yeah. Uh, Byron was six wins this year. Yeah. Do you think that had anything to do with the lack of worms? <laughs> yes. I, I do think Chase Elliott's uh, lack of presence, lack of wins definitely contributed to that. I also think Larson having as many mistakes as he did contributed to that too, though. Because we saw a lot of races where Larson could have won. Yeah, Larson could have probably won 10. Right. Honest, honestly, he probably could have won 10. 100%. And Hamlin got some of those, and Byron got some of those, and some other random people probably got some of those, but... I think Larson only ended up with like two or three wins, which is crazy. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, that's but you get to see, I was going to say, you get to see uh, Ross. Well, I don't know if we, anyone got to see it, but I think Ross smashed another watermelon. I don't think anyone was watching because Blaney was winning the championship at the time. But uh, If he won cool. the race, he smashed a watermelon. Yeah. But if 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 a, if a watermelon falls in the forest and no one's around to watch it on TV, did it happen? <laughs> it depends on if it's smashed or not. Did you see? Um, sorry, real quick. Did you see in uh, his post race like media scrum or whatever? He had a watermelon, like a half of a watermelon, on the table that he'd clearly eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever he whenever he smashes the watermelon, he takes a chunk up off of the asphalt and just starts eating it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong it's with a, the inside. It's a good watermelon. Perfectly good. Don't waste it. It's only the rind that hit the ground. You're not eating that anyway. Exactly. Um yes, I mean obviously I love seeing Ross win a race. I think he he was still, I think, 
Uh, this is interesting. I'd be actually curious to get your take on this. Was he just as good this year as he was last year? And the difference was he was less exciting this year? Or was he a little bit better last year and the excitement that was around him had nothing to do with it? I think, so I would say that he uh, was less exciting this year based on his like disagreements with other drivers, um, specifically Denny Hamlin, obviously, because that was the whole saga last year. They, they talked yep. it out at Phoenix a year ago, if you remember. Um, and sort of like squash the beef and Denny's been pretty complimentary of him. I think he's matured a bit. Um, so I think that's separate from his performance. I would say that he has matured and, uh, been a little bit smarter about how he races people, especially when it's not for a win. Um, but I will also say that I think his performance has gone from, consistently top 10 to more inconsistent but when he's good he's really good i think his best is better than it was like i think he's raised his ceiling but he's he and i wouldn't even attribute it to him i would say that track house's performance as a team has gotten less consistent so that's why you see suarez not really performing as well that's why you see weeks where uh chastain really isn't having a strong performance like not even a top 10 sometimes like 20th or so. So I think the performance of the team is more erratic, but I think when the team is on, Ross is like at his peak right now, which is really impressive for like, he's still pretty young. The team is still maturing like around him and stuff like that. So I think you've got a bright future with, with Ross, but does that ring true to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a really, really good way to not actually answer the question, but provide so much more context to what yeah, I was really trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was brilliant. Everything you said was absolutely fascinating and absolutely just, you know, insightful, really, to what it looked like. And what it got me thinking about is was that team generally better when they had that third car in? I don't know. I feel, did they, I know they did it at some of the road courses, obviously with SVG and they're planning on doing it more next year, which if you're correct on the point you're headed down, could be a good sign. Like if they are better with that third car, because they've got more, more data points, let's say, or something like that, then and especially from a, a talented road rest road racer like SVG, I feel like that's going to help them develop their car too. Um, yeah, so and just that, more data points from the drivers getting out there and you know yeah. running around the track too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think th it's it's. I mean, there's no wonder why Joe Gibbs and and Hendrick have four cars, right? Like Penske has three, and you can kind of count the. Uh, the 21 car that I can't think of the team right now off the top of my head. Uh, that Ryan Blaney used to drive for, and now it's Harrison Burton. Wood Brothers. Got there. Wood Brothers. Is <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is like all the big teams have a lot of cars because it's generally beneficial to get a lot of different points of view in terms of like the driving 
as well as the different teams. What tends to happen in those situations, though, is, like, the best people in your company, like, can change and can make the dynamic kind of funky. Um, but that's its own thing that you have to manage as a team. But I still think you're right. Like, so to, so to get back to Trackhouse, I think you're right. I think having a third car is going to benefit them. I think they're going to do it more next year, and it'll be curious to see if they can start competing more frequently. Yeah. And Crum, I mean, you know what the most valuable resource in this world is right now, right? Data. <laughs> yep. Yep, well away. <laughs> it the is the though? most valuable resource in this world right now. Factual. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a hot commodity. Um, I think we pretty much covered Phoenix. Um, I, I will say I, I started out the race thinking, like, I'm not going to pay attention to Kyle Busch. He didn't qualify well. I'm not going to worry about it. And then I saw like he was making up a lot of places and I was like, all right, I'll tune in, I'll watch, I'll like watch his in car, listen to his radio. Started doing that, and he basically had a pit road penalty, a slow pit stop, and then spun out in the last fifty laps. So I don't know if I should just shouldn't watch him closely and like maybe me watching is like it feels like if I watch I find the problem. Like it's like observing the light and it turns into a wave instead of a particle or whatever the fuck it is. I'm, I'm sorry, physicists and other people who know better than me. Um, yeah, but then right when you turn it off, they start doing good again. Yeah, it's it's just so yeah. frustrating. <laughs> so I was kind of annoyed with how that went, but I was honestly kind of surprised that because like Kyle Busch, like as as much as he can be an asshole to other people in interviews and like in the style that he drives, he is never going to bring out a caution on purpose. So the fact that he brought out the final caution that jumbled up the end of the race, I was like, really? Of all the people, like it's Kyle Busch. Okay, well, here you go. Um, so that was surprising to me, but I I mean, I'm just happy that Blaney, who looked the strongest all day, was able to pass, was able to get around Kyle Larson, even though he got out of pit road first and all that stuff. So I, I'm just glad they were able to race and make it like, you know, something other than follow the leader. Oh, uh, always love some actual racing and not just follow the leader. Yeah, exactly. Um, We both had really good locks and really good buy lows. Uh, the 12 and the 24 were obviously great picks. I had the 12, which worked out well for me. You had the 24, which was also in the ideal lineup. And then our buy low candidates were the 10 and the 6, and they were both in that, like, top 10 tier. Not ideal, but um, they were only really behind, like, Chastain, who uh, you drafted in your draft. And then um, the 17 of Busher, who slipped through the cracks for us, but was someone on my radar for sure. Uh, and then the 34 of McDowell, which I think was the biggest surprise for me, him being in the ideal lineup. But, uh, yeah, did you have any... Did, did you have any draft lineups or anything that won? Because I, I know my draft did okay, but I know you didn't enter every draft. Uh, your draft cashed uh, 2x, and the rest of them did not. Um, I just want to just touch real quick on your point of the 17 not being in any of our lineups. 
but we were on the six. And this year felt like if you're on one of them, the other one you should also be on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just a little, yeah, just a little DFS nugget from my brain for next year, potentially. We'll you see can... how the new Mustangs are, though. No, I, I agree with that. Like, if you like the six, you should look at the six or look at the 17 and vice versa. Like any, and especially with like the way they're budgeted, typically that's like a good like value. I think like their combined point total for what they cost every week is probably really good. Yeah, I would say what between like sixteen and seventeen thousand. Yeah, probably for both of them. Yeah, yeah. One of them's going to be under nine thousand. One of them might be under seven. Like it's going to yeah. range from that, like. Six to eleven thousand range, depending on the track, basically. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, happy we could get some winners in there. Glad we had some good locks. Uh, Christopher Bell killed uh, your draft, unfortunately. Just, I mean, you can't not pick a playoff guy, but when he has a mechanical air mechanical issue, there's not much you can do about that either. So. That's the way that goes sometimes. Um, and then guys we missed were generally just sort of like that 15 to 20 range that nobody that really popped. I was surprised like uh, Hamlin and Truex among the, you know, non-playoff guys that ran up front, which there were a good amount of, they were not involved. Also, I guess we haven't really talked about it, but Harvick's final race kind of, kind of cool that he was so competitive. I was really impressed and honestly, like I would have been, I would have been happier with him winning, but I, that that would have been very fairy tale ending. Um, but yeah, it, any reaction from how you know Harvick went out? Yeah, Harvick Harvick winning would have been awesome. Um, always gonna have love for him. He was my my original fandom. Started with Harvick at that first Watkins Glen race. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see him win, but the fact that he continued the top 10 streak, uh, I think he's, yeah, he's got to be happy with that. And it's not going to be the last we'll see of Harvick. He's going to be in one of those booths next year, I think. Yeah. He uh he has an interview on the Dale Jr. download, so the same way I recommended the Tony Stewart one, I'll recommend the Kevin Harvick one. Uh when you get a oh, chance. Listen to it tomorrow. Yeah, it's well worth it. Um really cool to see basically his plans like for what he's gonna do the rest of the next five, ten years. He basically lays it out so you can kind of hear what he thinks. Um and his son Keelan Harvick's a big part of that. So expect to see another Harvick in the cup series. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, racing <laughs> against Brexton Bush. So we'll get another Harvick versus Bush in about 10 years. <laughs> uh, just wait and see. <laughs> I know a side we'll both be on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for that, Hawkins. <laughs> uh, all right. So we covered pretty much everything from NASCAR. We did want to do a little bonus content and have a draft of some kind. May not be a NASCAR draft, but we figured we'd do a little NFL draft for a DraftKings contest this Sunday. Uh, so it's the Sunday 1 o'clock window that we're looking at, right? Or the Is it 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock? I don't know how this works. 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Okay, thank you. The main slate, as they would call it. 
Anything else we should know besides I go first and we're still doing Snake? Still doing Snake. Just remember it's full PPR and there's a bonus at 100 yards rushing and receiving. I believe there's also a bonus at 300 yards passing. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, With my first pick, I am going to go with Austin Eckler at running back. Uh, for the Chargers, because he's not the most expensive running back, but I feel like he is consistently awesome and usually gets touchdowns and just he has a, not the best matchup against Detroit, but I think he'll score some points. I think it's a great pick. Austin Eckler, while Detroit does very well against running back as a position, they're a little bit weaker at, against pass catching running backs. And that's where I expect Echo to do most of his work. Nice. I am going to start with my tried and true formula. <laughs> this one, I really almost want to spend the extra $300 on it. But I'm going to go with the New York Giants defense against the Dallas Cowboys. my hope is that the Cowboys defense scores 21 points and that the offense only scores 7 because that doesn't go against the DST (laughs) and uh, yeah (laughs) uh, then maybe all of the backups come in for like a quarter and a half and the Giants defense gets to get a couple sacks or something Yeah, yeah. Make it like a 21-0 game. Yeah. (laughs) But I... Defensive touchdown. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I've also talked about this on this podcast before. I always just take the cheapest defense so that I have some wiggle room. Yeah. I will say, I am now realizing why this is somewhat unique, this, like, style of draft, because now I basically know that I can wait to pick a defense until the end and I kind of have my pick because there's no way you like you won't pick another defense. So it's interesting how Yeah, this I can't block you on defense. Right, right. Now I'm understanding more of the nuance of this. Alright, so what's your next pick? My next pick is gonna be my quarterback. We haven't seen him yet this year. I think the matchup is pretty decent. His price is lower than I think it'll be all year. I'm going to take Kyler Murray. Interesting. I saw. Let me let me get your quick snap reaction to Kyler Murray and Jerome Ford for Tajay Spears and Justin Herbert in redraft. All right, give them to me one more. T- it's redraft. Yeah, Murray PPR. Yes, redraft PPR. Six point per passing touchdown. Yes. Okay. Tyler Murray and Jerome Ford for Tajay Spears and Justin Herbert. I would want to be on the Kyler side. Interesting. Okay, I'd want to be on the other one. I'd want it Herbert and Tajay. 
I think Herbert is probably going to be better than Kyler. But Tajay, while he's showing a lot of flashes, is really still the backup to Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry's playoff schedule is incredible. I think he actually plays the Houston Texans twice in the three playoff weeks. Um, But Jerome Ford's playoff schedule is also really good, and I still see him as the lead back there. I I think it's the Jerome Ford Tajay. I think Jerome Ford is so much more valuable than Tajay at this point without a Derrick Henry injury, and I think that's why I lean that way. Okay. Thank you for your uh, opinion on a trade that I was not involved in, but I saw in a league where somewhere <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, huh, I saw that trade happen. And I was like, really? And then I thought about it and I was like, actually, that's pretty close. It, it's close. It's yeah. And if, I mean, if you, I would be curious to know if the person who got Tajay also had Derek Henry. Hmm. I'll, I, because if, that, if that's uh, the case, then I think it's a great move. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. You're up for two. All right. I'm going to go two wide receivers because I feel like you don't have any yet. I already have a running back. If I'm going to do any sort of blocking, it should be here. Um, so I'm going to take two guys that I just feel like have good value. Um Maybe you'll disagree, but I'm going to go Tyler Lockett and DeAndre Hopkins. So Tyler Lockett uh, is going to be playing at home against the Commanders, and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be traveling to Tampa to play against the Bucks. I don't disagree with either of those. They're both completely underpriced right now in DFS. They both should be significantly higher than they are, especially for Tyler Lockett if DK Metcalf doesn't play. And if there's one thing that Tampa Bay is bad against, it's the deep ball. And Will Levison's not afraid to throw it. And he understands that he has DeAndre Hopkins on his team. Yep. So I love those picks. I was a little bit worried about your whole little blocking spiel. I'm going <laughs> to take Marquise Hollywood Brown. Nice. Makes sense. And get, get that stack. He's all the way down at 5,200 because he's been a little bit disappointing. But last year when Kyler Murray and Hollywood played together and DeAndre Hopkins was out, Hollywood was the sixth best wide receiver in PPR. And I'm hoping that he's just going to be a target monster for Kyler in his first game back, and that stack will work out nicely. And then I think I'm going to go down to the tight end position. And uh, I'm going to spend up a little bit here. But this man's a cheat code. And he's one game away from being on fire in NBA Jams rules. (laughs) I'm going to go Taysom Hill. Nice. (laughs) He's a 
tight end that runs the ball more than he catches it, and those yards will add up. Sometimes he throws it. You never know. Yeah. He can last get points. Year, or last week he had a rushing and a receiving touchdown, but he also had like 36 passing yards. Yeah. yeah like he could, I honestly think he's gone from like niche player to filling in the gaps so much that like he has value in fantasy because it doesn't like he's so amoeba like or like i don't know what the chameleon i don't know some some sort of animal or thing that can do whatever you need it to that like whatever they're lacking in a particular game they're going to make him fill that role and so he's going to get points like he's just going to get points because he's going to fill some role somewhere at some point He's a less athletic but more versatile Debo Samuel. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. And now you got another free spot at tight end. I do. I do. So I don't need to pick a tight end unless, like, I wanted Kelsey and I was afraid of you putting him in your flex. Like, I feel like that's the only scenario I can think of where I would want to take one. Um, yeah, that's Kelsey's... fair. I can still put a tight end at flex. Yeah. I, I was going to say Kelsey's not available this week. Uh, so it'd be like Mark Andrews or George Kittle or Laporta maybe. Uh, but you already have Taste Mills. That doesn't make sense, really. You wouldn't it, like investing that much in tight end. I mean, who would do that? Just the Bills. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. So it feels like running back's a good spot to go to. Uh, you haven't taken any of those yet. Uh, the expensive option I really like that I wonder if I can make fit in a budget, but I'm afraid I can't is Pollard. So I'm guessing you're going to go there potentially. Um, I'm going to go a little bit cheaper and drop down to. I'm going to go Bijan Robinson. I'm going to say he gets a little bit more love this week because he deserves it. <laughs> so <laughs> give me give me Bijan for six thousand at a at a nice price point, I guess. Yeah, that's a tough it. one. That's uh, that like if Arthur Smith just realizes who his best players are, he's going to have a fantastic game. We've already seen that ability from him. Yep. Uh, yeah. That that's that's the that's your wild card player. If he right. goes ballistic, it's you've huge, got this huge, in the bag. Huge for me. Yeah. Um. So then I'm looking for, I guess, a wide receiver or flex because I don't need to worry about defense and quarterback and tight end necessarily. Um, so if I go wide receiver, I probably want to go budget again. Uh, maybe Jahan Dotson at 5,000. That feels like a nice little bargain play. Um, he's also one game away from being on fire in NBA jams rules. Yeah. He's been hot lately. So give me, give me Jahan Dotson. All right, we got two very different strategies going on right here. I mean, because I, I, now running back is open for me. True, but it feels like silly to me because, like, I can't. Like, there really isn't a 
reason for me to pick a quarterback tight end or defense yet. Right. So like I have to fill it out with running backs and wide receivers. I mean, you've got a good core right there. I like it. What, what's your average budget per player remaining? Uh, 5.1, which isn't great. Uh, yeah. It's not terrible though. Yeah. Actually, let me, uh, I'll uh, correct that. Cause that, that was assuming some picks in the future. Uh, 4.6 <laughs> without my future picks revealed. Okay, that's more more where I thought you were going to be. Yeah. So you're going to have to go with the Jaguars defense. Potentially. Just to save some cash. And you're going to be maybe looking at some draggy quarterbacks. But we'll see. I am now going to look at the running back position. And there's one running back as I scroll down that jumps right off the page to me as ridiculously priced. And you know that I hate this running back. Uh oh. I'm going to go with Najee Harris. Oh. He's only $4,900. Wow. And he's playing the Green Bay Packers. Who are great at football? Not very good against the run. <laughs> they kind of just they kind of play a defense where they just say, "All right, get your three or four yard gains, and eventually you'll make a mistake." But then people just run and run and run on them. Um, Najee's actually less expensive than Jalen Warren on this docket right now. I think Najee has a better shot at the touchdown. So Agreed. I'll take him at my running back and save a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. Then I am going to shift myself over to wide receiver. Right. And I'm going to take a guy who has three consecutive games with over 150 receiving yards. And hope it doesn't negatively correlate too, too much against my defense. I'm going to take C.D. Lamb. He's the fourth most expensive wide receiver on the board right now, but I don't understand Justin Jefferson being the most expensive at 8,900 when he's not expected to play. Yeah. Um, That's weird. So, yeah. CD. There is one other wide receiver I was thinking about a tiny bit cheaper than CD Lamb, but CD Lamb's just been on a tear right now, so let's roll with him. All right. I am trying to figure out how low I want to go for a wide receiver or potentially running back. Um... So just to let you know, I only have three more positions to fill out, and I still have 6,100 per player. That is definitely more than I have. Yeah, for what it, for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> this is Crash's way of saying his strategy has value. <laughs> I've got uh, a system. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I think I found the random ass flex that I want. That's like a good Homer style. It's not a Homer pick, but it like feels like a Homer pick. 
um, and is like very, very like deep league flex territory, and that's Devin Singletary for forty seven hundred. Houston at Cincinnati. I don't I, hate that. There's a chance that Pierce doesn't play. Yeah, and there's a chance that he falls in the end zone at some point, and I'm okay with that, especially at that price. So, and when uh, you said Homer, I thought you were going somewhere else. No, yeah, that's why I kind of said that, and then I was like, well, it's not really a Homer pick because it's like he's not on the Bills anymore, but I still like him from what he like. I saw how good he was when he was on the Bills. Like I could see his talent. Um, not that I watched him a lot since then, but still. I feel like for two years I was screaming at the Bills to just use Devin Singletary more. Yeah, you're you're going to scream at every running back on a rookie contract that's on the Bills because that's exactly how they're going to use every single one of them, and it's going to be infuriating for until something changes. R.I.P. James Cook. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least there's Dalton Pinkett, I guess. Uh, all right. So now I'm down to quarterback, tight end, defense, so I feel like I can just go with – uh, whatever I'm like preferring. Um, so I'm going to start with quarterback and go with uh, the guy that's going to hook up with DeAndre Hopkins and take Will Levis at 5,300. I, I, gonna... I love that pick. Yeah, I I, I think if you're going to go D-Hop, you might as well go Will Levis and do the ultra savings value pick, basically, um, and hope that that game is a shootout. Very well could be. Um, and that leaves me with tight end in defense with 8,500 remaining. I feel like I should pick tight end first to decide how much I have left to spend on defense, or maybe I should look at what the Jags at 2,400 would get me in terms of budget. It leaves me with 6,100, which is enough for Kittle or Laporta. I like that a lot. Um, let's see. If I went Laporta, that would allow me to afford... Some other defensive options, but that would include Houston and Cincinnati, which I'm expecting to be hopefully a little bit more scores in that game. I don't know. Do I want to pay for Laporta? What else do I like in the tight end position? Jake Ferguson is available. Evan Ingram is available. I'm not going to go Kyle Pitts and Bijan. He's not going to figure out both in the same week. That's not happening. <laughs> No chance, especially to have Drake London's back, too. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what I like? Gerald Everett at 3,900 is actually a pretty good value, I feel like. That's a very good value. Yeah. And that lets me get the Cowboys against the Giants, which I will take. I'll go. I'll go. Oh, I'll go you're opposite. going the complete opposite yeah. on defense. I love I it. mean, I'd, I'd prefer to have your defense. <laughs> So I gave away my last pick, but that's because I can. Like it, at this point, like it's just fill out, fill in the blanks. So what do you got yeah. to fill in? Uh, who did you take at your tight end? You took uh, Everett. Yeah. All right. So I'm just filling out my team now. A yep. wide receiver, a running back, and a flex. I am going to take that other wide receiver and potentially screw myself at running back here, but we'll see what happens. The guy who's just a tiny bit under CD Lamb, and by a tiny bit I mean $100, 
I'll take a Monroe St. Brown. This is a full PPR league. If I can get a Monroe St. Brown and C.D. Lamb both in my lineup, that's the potential of 30 catches. It's probably 20. I'll take that. That does drop my average remaining player budget down to 5000 I'm going to fill in my flex next because I do have a guy in my window that is going to be extremely contrarian, but if he can get me, they say a good game is 2x, so he will need to get me like 6.4 points, I think. Um, bear with me because I got to scroll down pretty far to find him. <laughs> And I am going to go way the hell down on the list. I'm going all the way down to exactly $3,000. There is a chance, and I think uh, Crum and I can both agree with the way that the NFL is tinkering with these lineups after we draft them is fine. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, some it's Thursday evening. Somebody can pull a hamstring on Friday or whatever. I'm going to go all the way down to Trenton Irwin. Wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh. Who had a good game a few weeks ago. And there's a very, very good chance that, well, actually, T. Higgins has already been ruled out. And there's a very good chance that uh, Chase is not playing after landing on his back the way he did against the Bills because that was a nasty fall. Uh, Chris Collins worth talking about that and just being like, I've fallen that way a few times in my career. He's going to crawl out of bed tomorrow morning. (laughs) And it's like this whole week has been like, his back doesn't feel great. He's still sore. (laughs) Uh, so that would actually put Trent Irwin into the wide receiver two position for yeah. the Bengals. And he does have an eight catch and 60 yard game already this season when T Higgins missed. So that's a big wild card, but does open up my board for that last running back position. It allows me to spend up a tiny bit. I'm shocked that the other running back in this backfield is a hundred dollars more expensive the same way I was surprised that Jalen Warren was a hundred dollars more expensive than Najee. I'm going to go with David Montgomery for 6,900. Yeah. I think he maybe could have played the week before the buy and then he had the buy and we know how Dan Campbell is with his running backs and he loves the guys who can just grind out the yards and then occasionally break the big one. Um, I love the fact that I can fit David Montgomery into this lineup. And uh, there's a pretty good chance I might copy and paste this and <laughs> throw it throw it into the Millie Maker for Sunday, too. Why not? All right. We'll, uh, we'll obviously share this in the show notes just in case you didn't write it down. Um, but I like like Josh mentioned, like subject to change, obviously with any injury news that happens throughout the weekend, we're recording on Thursday night, like you mentioned. So 
I mean, if Jamar Chase is playing, Trent Irwin and David Montgomery are out of my lineup. And, I, and I'm going to and I'm going to two forty seven hundred dollar players. That makes sense. I think Devin Singletary is probably the biggest decision point for me if we if it turns out that um we're gonna see a lot more of uh Damian Pierce suddenly, but I don't expect that news to happen. So other than that, I feel like I'm probably sticking with what I've got unless I hear big news somewhere else. Yeah. I like them. Two very different builds. Yeah. And when the Cowboys defense scores 40, I'm going to cry. Hey, look, you, you, you'll be either. But they'll be like or... happy tears. Right. You'll be, you'll be happy that Dallas is kicking the shit out of them, or you'll be happy that you won this matchup. Like, damn it. I paid for one third of a coffee for Crumb. <laughs> Back in our day, that was one full coffee. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, it's it's been a fun uh, NASCAR season, and this was a fun little extra bonus draft that we did. Um, I don't think there's any weather to worry about, although I did just agree to go to the Bills Monday night game, and I have no idea what the weather is. hope it's not going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be cold. Uh, well, I mean, cold's fine, but like super windy and rainy and all that shit. Like, please no. Some late snow and no wind I can deal with. Also, I got particulars. Yeah. Well, you're committed now. I mean, yeah, I've, I've never been to a Monday night game, and I feel like the opportunity arose. I couldn't, couldn't let it. Like when I asked Sarah, and she was like, "Oh my god, yes, I totally do it." And I was like, "All right, I have to, I have to try it." Like. And there's season tickets. And yeah. They're not expensive. Blah, blah, They're not blah, as blah, expensive blah. as they would be. Let's put it that way. Thank God. Yep. <laughs> All right, Crumb. I think we both have some spaghettification to get to. That's true. Enjoy your Loki season finale and hope you don't turn into spaghetti. I hope it's good. <laughs> All right. Later, man. See ya.